Ladies and gents, hope you're good. I've got a good friend called, I say good friend, we've only just met really, right? But <laughs> she is, uh, you know, she's, she's big in the fitness industry and her name is Helena Sly. I was just trying to pronounce her surname practicing off air then, ladies and gents. I think I might have got it right. But, yeah, um, yeah, did I get it good? Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. But yeah, I sometimes kind of make a mess of the introductions, right? So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, uh, Helena, right? Because I don't want to mess things up. Um, but yeah, how are you doing today, first and foremost? Anyway, my friend, you good? Yeah, I'm doing really well and super excited to jump on the show. Um, so I can jump in with who I am and what I do, if you're happy with me to run with that. Yeah, yeah, let's roll with it. Okay, so I, uh, my name is Helena. Good job on pronunciation. Um, <laughs> I'm an online fitness coach, so um, lifestyle and physique, and uh, primarily coach women. On occasion, I do coach male, but most of the time, women's coach, and I do coach some athletes to bodybuilding stage as well so my space is very much built around the training and nutrition side obviously because we build the physiques that way but I think the biggest part of that's like actually the lifestyle the habits and the mindset so that's a big part of my focus with my with my clients awesome love that yeah because that's exactly my motto as well right and anyone who's been in this game for long enough right Helena it's basically that's the most important thing right it's about the habits you implement and the things you can sustain, and then ultimately the body just becomes the byproduct, right? So that being said, um, firstly, just talking about yourself, because anyone, what's your um, your Instagram handle again? So my it's my name, so Helena double underscore Sly, um, and that that's my main page. I've just started a separate one for my coaching, but everything links through to that anyway. So easier to find the one with my name. Awesome. Helena double underscore fly, right? If you just go and check her out on Instagram, right? The proof is in the pudding in terms of like how healthy and fit and strong and how, uh, you know, good shape you're in. But I wanted to ask you for the audience, this, this relates to the males as well, right? But especially females, right? Because I get this question a lot. It's like, you know, how do um, people stay in shape, right? Because getting in shape is one thing, you know, building a, you know, a good looking body, aesthetically pleasing physique uh, and being healthy, but being able to keep that is a whole different animal, right, Elena? So how do you manage to stay in incredible shape all year round? And like, how long has it taken you to achieve that, Elena? Okay. So for, for me, I am still actively uh, training for com- competitions. So I go through feels like phases of building and phases of cutting. Um, but even when I've had more of an off season where I truly am off, not necessarily focused on a goal, um, you know, it's just about the things that funny things that you enjoy and you can sustain. And so for me, it's sort of training anywhere between three and five times a week, depending on what phase of life I'm in and what my goals are um, and sticking mostly to whole foods. When I've got a specific goal, I do track calories and macros. I find it's an easy way to predict exactly what results I'm going to get and not have to stay in phases longer than necessary. Um, obviously that's not a tool for everybody, but for me, I do find we need a specific goal that works well. So uh, I like that. But even before I was actually competing, I had quite an athletic physique from my martial arts background. So I grew up as a dancer and then I was a martial artist. And so I've kind of always been really quite active. And so I, the only time that I've ever not been living a, an active lifestyle was a period of time where I spent living on a cruise ship for like two years. Um, and that was definitely party all night, work all day, every day. And there wasn't much training going on and nutrition was was not something that was a high priority. And, and I really did notice a big difference in my body in that time. When I came back to, to land and to life, uh, it probably only took about five months for my body to go back to what it had been formerly. 
because I just moved back into that lifestyle where I'd train a couple of times a week and I was eating mostly whole foods again. And I never actually truly focused on trying to, you know, to lose fat or to build muscle again. It was just, that was the byproduct of falling back into the lifestyle that I had built myself before I was, you know, living that <laughs> crazy life overseas on the seas. Um, but yeah. Good times though. Good times though. Yeah. It was, it was a great <laughs> thing to do in my early twenties. Definitely got to see a lot of the world. Um, but really noticed the, the impact of, of eating differently and, and living differently and how much it actually changes your body really quite quickly. Mm, yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. And when it comes to the uh, physique competitions you've done, cause you've got to a, a good level doing that. And as you say, I kind of skimmed over that. Obviously people know my experience. I've done, you know, bodybuilding comms got to the pro level and all the rest of it. Um, but I think it's interesting coming from a, you know, a female's perspective. So when you ever had, I had uh, Alicia Gowans, you know, Alicia Gowans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had her on the podcast a while ago. But um, yeah, it's great to have someone who's like more current. And yeah, just talk us through. Um, obviously, I'm just curious to know kind of the biggest kind of challenges that you face. Because we were just saying off air, right? We were saying about uh, how I personally have saw more kind of, you know, eating disorders and mental health issues and stuff like that in that world of bodybuilding when I was in there, when I was competing and when I was going to the fitness expos and all the rest of it, than I've seen in the hundreds of men and women I've coached over the last, you know, almost two decades. So people always see on the surface someone in great shape like yourself or anyone else. And they, all, they automatically assume, like we were just saying, that everyone's got everything together, right? Um, but there is like a bit of a dark side to that as well. And I'm just curious to know what the biggest kind of challenges uh, have been for you psychologically in that world of competing. So in the world of competing specifically, I think sort of two things. One would be that it's really hard to not wrap your identity up in the look that you achieve for stage you're only in that for a very small period of time and then you quite quickly come back out of it. And particularly as a female, we need to, we need to be quite far away from how lean we get. I compete in the fitness category, so we're, we're very lean. Um, and so for health-wise, you need to move back away from that. But you really get addicted to looking like a little bit of a freak. Like you get noticed, you, people look at you, people point at you, people come and ask you questions about how you look. You don't look quote-unquote normal. And it's exciting. It's thrilling. You know that you're sort of living life on this level that other people aren't. And I think when you need to move back into a build phase or a lifestyle phase where things are maintainable, it's quite difficult to switch that mindset. And so um, the first time that really did sort of grab me, um, the second time through, I had no issues with it, but it was just like the experience of, of working my way through that the first time and letting go of, you know, how I look is not who I am. Uh, and there is a lot more to me than that. And I'm still really impressive otherwise. <laughs> and that, that took some work. Um, the other part of it is that I think when you compete, you are so focused on a big goal. And part of our conversation earlier was how, you know, when, you, when you're running a bit of anxiety or if you have a bit of an anxious sort of disposition, you tend to want to be chasing big goals all the time because it keeps you running on the, on the you know, on a direction that you feel like you're achieving something. But when the show finishes and you move back to once again, more normality and having to work out, well, why am I training if it's not to get on the stage? Why, am, why would I stick to my macros? If, and you know, you've got to really build your why again around why you do everything because your entire lifestyle and your entire psyche is wrapped up in getting yourself to stage and it's all consuming. I don't think a lot of people realize just how all consuming it is that literally every part of your world becomes about it and the people around you need to sacrifice for it as well. Then once the show's over, it's like, well, you know, life seems really boring and, and it can and can push a lot of people into a really low state because 
there's just a big question of why are you doing anything? Um, and I think, yeah, a lot of people get, a lot of people do get caught in that post-show. Mm, yeah, I absolutely got caught in that. All of what you were saying then resonated with me. I mentioned before millions of times, but I had the binge eating disorder for like almost two years, you know, as a result of getting on and off stage. And then the anti-climax, not the anti-climax, but almost just the downy you get them, right? After you've put everything and you've sacrificed everything, literally, because to get on stage is no joke. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily a healthy thing to do. And you have to put absolutely everything in. There's no kind of shortcuts. So yeah, that was really interesting. I found that interesting how, you know, you said that the identity element, right? In terms of you wrap your identity up into, you know, being in incredible shape, right? And it becomes, it's even subconsciously without you even being aware of it, it actually becomes who you are. You're like, you know, I'm in shape. People know me for that. So I have to identify as a person who's in shape all of the time. Um, and then that can cause a lot of stress within itself as well. So what kind of um, battles have you had in terms of, because you can relate this to people listening, right? People looking to get in shape. A lot of people listening to this just want to become a better version of themselves. They want to get in really good shape. They want to aesthetically please and physique, right? What kind of battles do you have with clients? Do you ever get that battle with clients when they, um, they come into your program and it's like they are so hell-bent on looking better that they kind of, it also it, it becomes part of their identity as well, right? And then they kind of can easily forget about the other metrics when it comes to health and the important things uh, which actually get you in shape, which is being healthy, right? Some of the stuff you talked about, eating whole foods and all the rest of it. So just curious to know like if you ever get those struggles with clients, like similar struggles just on a different level, if that makes sense. Potentially, but I think from a little bit of a different angle and especially if somebody has always been bigger or has always been, you know, uh, you know, a body shape that they didn't like, their identity is also wrapped up in that. They're like there's, for example, like the girl who everybody will always know is going to get dessert. If you go out for a group dinner, oh, yeah, that she's going to get dessert, like, and everyone wants to, wants to enjoy it with her. And it becomes like an identity that if they've a group dinner with you and all of your, I don't know, friends from work or whatever, everyone knows that you're the person who's going to get a dessert. And if anybody else wants a dessert, they'll ask you because that'll help affirm them. And so if you then want to change to be the person who is being really conscious to be able to make the right decisions for a different physique and not to say that dessert cannot be there, but you're now a sometimes a dessert person and not an always a dessert person, you can almost feel like you're letting people down by making those changes. And I find that this pops up a lot with clients where that that's obviously just one example, but there's so many cases where you're known as being the person who's going to behave in a certain way in different groups of people. And when you start changing that, you don't always have a good response from other people around you. Um, and, and I think that that can be really difficult for people because they're, they may change their body to look different. They may change their habits while they're with a coach to look different. But when they're not so focused on, you know, that 12-week program or whatever it is, if they haven't done the right mindset work and re-established who they are and why they follow these steps beyond just the physique, they can get stuck in that cycle where you just end up falling back into old patterns and not even, not even necessarily just from your own cues, but because the social cues around you know you as the person who you know, we'll have drinks on the weekend or we'll have dessert every time they have dinner or, you know, we'll go for seconds with you and like someone will drag you along to go and grab seconds because you're not going to fight back and you don't know how to be anybody else in those environments. And I think that's something that not a lot of people do talk about. Um, and especially when a coach is just throwing macros and, and a training program at you. Um, if, if your friends go out for drinks every weekend and you can't do that while you're working with the coach to achieve your goal, 
that's fine. But as soon as you're not working with a coach anymore, you go back to doing that. Obviously, you're not going to maintain the result, but you don't know how to be somebody who says no. Mm, such a good point. It's such a good point. And I always say to my clients, you know, you've got to have that balance, right? So there might be certain people that are your friends that you really love dearly and you've been friends with them for a long time, um, but they're living a certain way. And obviously you want to level up, right? And you can release this to like building the business or building the body. Either way, your environment, you have to be surrounded by like-minded people, right? For the most part, people who share a similar vision with you uh, as you and not people that are always going to be yes people. You know, like you say, oh, you're having dessert. Oh, how come you're not having dessert? And the pressure, the pressure, the pressure, the pressure, the peer pressure. And it's always a lot easier, right? Let's be honest. I think uh, James Clear said in his book, uh, The Atomic Habits book, he said, you know, it's much easier to avoid temptation and have to resist it, right? Because that willpower it's like a muscle, right? It just gets tired. And people think that's what is going to get them long-term results. But actually, that willpower gets tired. And I know that myself. And I'm sure Helena can relate to that with, with competing and just in life in general. Um, but that environment is very important, right? Because, you know, your net worth is your, is your network, as they say, right? Huge. And yeah, so the, the, the social aspect of the environment's massive. Um, and, and that might even be, you know, you're always the person who has biscuits in the cupboard for when other people come over. But guaranteed in between visits, you're going for the biscuits yourself. They're sitting there. Whereas if they're just not in the house, you don't need to resist that temptation. And I think that's a massive point, once again, that people do often miss. And it's your environment, whether it be the people around you and how they're, they act and behave around food and what their mindsets are. Um, as well as your, your physical environment, how you, how you set up your kitchen and your pantry, what things are available to you uh, when, when you need an easy choice. Making the right choice, the easy choice, is a, is a huge habit um, to, to change uh, for, for that as well. Mm. Yeah, and I was just saying this one recently as well, because when it comes to true health, right, the social aspect is a huge component, right? Arguably the most important. We're, we're social creatures, right? We evolved that way. So, you know, you have to have that element as well. So, you know, obviously, sometimes I said to my clients recently, you know, you know, self-care is not always saying no, right? It's not like, you know, no, no, I'm not going to have this. And again, it's using the words as well. You have to use the right words. If you keep saying to yourself, you know, I can't have this, I can't have this. That's putting yourself into that restrictive mindset and it's, and it's disempowering, right? So you have to use different words anyway. Like I, I choose not to have that. I just don't want it, right? I don't want it. Um, but I was just saying like, you know, you have to have that balance because true health, you have to have the, the social aspect as well. So I was going somewhere with this now and I lost my trailer for it, <laughs> but I was just going to say um, that social aspect. So it's a part of self-care is actually being able to say, uh, you know, sometimes you're going to choose the social aspect, right? So, right, I'm going to go out with my friends. I'm going to have a few drinks and some food, right? And I'm valuing that social aspect more than I value right now, you know, maybe my physiological health, right? Because I'm going to get some nourishment out of that social uh, occasion right so i think it's a fine line but yeah that, that's such a good point with environment but do you agree there with self-care because a lot of people think self-care means i have to be disciplined all the time and be absolutely spot on but it's not realistic right because i always say to my clients you know if you give me at least 80 percent consistency you know the absolutely. results will be life-changing right Mm -hmm. And so there's sort of two mindsets I use there. And one is like the permission aspect. And sometimes when you know that you have permission, it's actually easier to say no more often and say yes sometimes. And it's just like knowing that you have unconditional permission to eat anything that you want. And on different days, you may choose to or choose not to, depending on how you're feeling. But you don't always have to say yes. You don't always have to say no. But knowing you have the permission to say yes, I think makes it a lot easier. If you've got a big blanket no, then there's like a big sexy red button that you just want to push. And when you push it, you're going to go all in. Whereas if you know you have permission and it's okay to have some, or that maybe you're not going to have it today, 
because you've already had a couple of you know things go on today but maybe you're going to plan to catch up with somebody next week and go out for a dessert date so that you can have that then is a nicer way to do it that you can you can know i don't need to eat that today because we live in an abundant world of food and it's not going to disappear from my life forever from today if i don't have that piece of cheesecake but i do still want it maybe i'm going to catch up with my friend next week and we'll have cheesecake as a, as a catch up then. And just sort of being able to just reframe those sorts of things, I think is so powerful. The, I can't have that and putting a big, big blanket. No, like I said, is just, just a ticking time bomb, but you know, also being a little bit too soft on yourself and just saying yes, every time is obviously not going to help you achieve your goals either. And that's, that's more self-sabotage than it is self-care. And it's, it is a balance and it really just depends on what's the priority at the time. There is definitely seasons of time where, you want to be tighter on control of those things and because you can. And then there's seasons of times where memories come over macros 100%. You're at Christmas dinner and your grandma has made her um, special fruitcake or whatever. Like you better go and have some of that and enjoy it and don't think about the calories because that cake might not be there next year and you are going to hurt that you're going to hurt when it's not and you didn't choose to have it from her last time you said no thanks because I'm trying to get my calories on Christmas day um memories over macros in those sorts of situations 100% but yeah having an abundant mindset around food it's not going to disappear after today and having the permission to eat anything you want and I'm going to make a choice and those two sorts of those two mindsets can be so powerful 100% I love that what did you say memories over macros I'm stealing that from you Helena right I'm stealing it (laughs) I love it it's great. But yeah, that goes back to what I was saying then, you know, obviously, for, for example, you're someone in your family cooks and bakes an amazing cake, could be a nan, let's just say, for example. Um, and it, it, there's so many different things, values you get from that, right? Because like sometimes it could be taking you back to childhood memories. It's such a, and that's all we've got anyway in life, right? Let's be honest, at the end of the line, all we've got is our memories and, and the life we've lived, yeah, and the experiences we've had. So memories over macros, right? I should even call the podcast that. I like that. That's solid. Um, <laughs> How important would you say, you know, transitioning into um, the strength training element? Because I personally feel like, because this, you know, with the metabolism, for example, right, it's very complex. And like a lot of the research, it doesn't always, I don't think it actually, it's coming better and better, but I don't think it highlights quite how important strength training is for you. Because I always say to people, it's like an insurance policy. You know, when you're adding muscle to your body, right? Because they say in studies, it only burns like, you know, up to 30 calories or whatever, having an extra pound of lean muscle in your body. But like, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when I have people reverse dieting, like it's way more than that. It's the whole process of actually building muscle, having high protein. You have to sleep well, take care of it. There's all these different factors which kind of supercharge the metabolism. And it's almost like an insurance policy. It gives you, um, you, know, you can get away with more calories, right? And that's the beauty of strength training, I feel as well, is you're teaching your body um, to just burn more calories on its own. Are you not doing any extra work as well? Um, but I just wanted to ask you, how important do you think the, the strength training element is for people to be able to, A, build the best body they can, and B, just for um, overall health and being able to you know, sustain what they're doing, you know? Yeah, I think obviously when it comes to the physique side of things and, um, you know, as a girl, when you start lifting weights, there's always that fear, or oh, I'm going to get bulky so quick. And I've always been quite a muscular female, as far as as far as the spectrum of normal girls go. I was dancing, I couldn't get my feet into the proper fifth position in ballet because my quads were too big and they hit each other. In the scheme of things, I was a very tiny, very skinny little girl. But in the ballet world, I had 
once again in massive quotation marks, thick thighs. Um, and I thought, you know, I just put on muscle so easy. If I start doing weights, I'm just going to get so bulky. Now that I'm in a world where I really am trying to build muscle as much as I can, you work out that it's actually super hard. And I think so many people have have that fear and then they avoid training for it. And it's so sad to see how that can impact them later on in life. But what I do find is a lot of females who think that they have maybe naturally larger quads or naturally larger arms and that they put on muscle easily and they have that muscular shape when they're not training. I find that when they do start lifting weights, that muscle actually becomes smaller and tighter. And it's, I describe it to my clients as almost like you're a well-marbled steak. You do have a good amount of muscle there and maybe it is fairly close to the skin surface. It doesn't look like you're carrying a lot of extra fat. But when you start training, that muscle becomes more dense and it becomes tighter and the intramuscular fat moves out or is burnt from that space and the muscle becomes you know, harder, firmer, smaller before it starts getting some significant size to it, particularly as a female. And that's where I hate to use the word, but toned comes in is that a lot of the time is like that firmer look is achieved by building a more dense muscle underneath and it's going to become toned or a less marbled steak before it starts to grow in size. And so a lot of girls will get a, get a real shock if they do jump on a DEXA scan or do a big cut and realize just how little muscle there is in the parts of themselves that they thought were really muscular before and and that happened to me when I started lifting my legs started getting smaller and smaller before I started to be able to build size on it and growing up always wanting smaller legs once my legs started to become more defined and strong now I'm trying to grow quads as big as I possibly can like I think they're sexy and strong and beautiful and they're obviously like work well for my sport um, so it's been you know on a body image perspective really empowering but you know, I didn't have to get to the point where I'm building size and it's a lot of work. It just will not happen by accident if that's ever anybody's fear. But knowing that that's the fear and a lot of women avoid lifting weights for that, what I think is really sad is obviously you look at the old population and how much people's ability decreases with age and we lose so much strength, but we actually don't have to. And the few people who I do know who later in life are still training lifting weights are in so much better condition. Just the little things like getting out of a chair without having to push your hands up, being able to get up off the floor um, is a big one, especially because, you know, above 60 falls risks massively increase. And many of the, the dangerous sort of injuries that happen from that are from the fact that they stay on the floor too long because they don't have the strength to get themselves back up. And I sort of always had this mentality that if I'm at some point in my life going to get ill or have something happen where I'm going to lose half of my strength, I would want that to be from a stronger place. I would like to be able to, if I had grandchildren, for example, I'd like to be able to lift them up, not have to have them placed in my lap because I'm not strong enough to hold them. You know, I'd like to be able to hold my own cup of tea or pour my own, you know, boiling water into my cup without my grip strength not being strong enough. And my mum is an incredible example, actually. She started lifting at 58, I, client of mine, probably my most compliant client, which is amazing because family is usually not what people want to be coaching. Um, but she started not being able to uh, hold on to the 20 kilo barbell for more than eight reps of a Romanian deadlift before having to put it down because her grip strength was failing. She's now 62 and she can deadlift 75 kilos with no straps. Wow. And it's so cool. And it's just been little by little, it was never the goal. But little by little, and the amount of extra range that she has in her 
uh, lunges and things. When we first started, she didn't even have a half range lunge because she has arthritis in her hips, in her knees, in her ankles. And sort of thought, you know, we're just going to try and maintain what range she has because we didn't want that to keep on decreasing. But little by little, by getting her strong at the end of range that she had at any time, she can now lunge and get her back knee to the ground. She used to have a big sway in her walk because of arthritis in her hips and she now walks straight and she has beautiful posture. And as a side effect of just training four times a week with weights for four years, she has built some significant muscle, which is once again, something that we're just not told is possible. We're told that once you reach menopause, like it's basically impossible to build muscle. You will gain belly fat. You will come that apple shape. And she's got the, like the best body that she's had in 25 years. And a pretty good set of glutes, to be very honest. There's not many 60-year-old women walking around with a perky bum like that, but none of them train. So that's why it's not just something that has to happen. And I think she's been such an incredible example of that. And I think, you know, there is, she says herself, like my mum, my older sisters, none of them look like this at this age. I look more feminine than all of them because of the shape that I've been able to build with weight training. And when somebody in their 60s and you know who had to start learning how to lift weights at 58 you know it's just it's just that that part where most people would just throw it away as I'm too old to start now she did and it was little by little by little by little just consistently showing up doing the program that I said for her she learned how to track her macros and everything she's a pro at it now she's better than me half the time um and it's incredible to see what shape is able to be built and how feminine that can look in a state where people actually don't even bother trying anymore usually at the age and I know I've got off on a bit of a tangent but I get really passionate about my mum's success she's so inspiring <laughs> um but yeah I think that's it's a, it's a cool example too because she had an older sister who had a fall last year and stayed on the floor for many hours through the night because she wasn't able to lift her off the chair lift herself up to the chair from the floor and my mum had to help lift her from the floor up to her chair. And I don't know many other 60 women, 60 year old women who would be able to lift up another human, um, but she had the strength to be able to pick up my aunt and put her back into the chair before she could call for help. And I think that was something that was really impactful for a lot of people around us to sort of have that, that, um, that happen because you can sort of see, you know, maybe if there was some extra work on strength, maybe she would have been able to get herself out of the chair earlier. And if mum had never tried to lift weights and she was just doing the normal things, a couple of step classes or yoga and whatever, while that's fine and, and still miles better than nothing, she wouldn't have been able to be the one to help pick her up and it would have been longer before they got help. Um, and I think, and those are the very real world places where it shows up, you know, being able to go to the toilet by yourself because you can stand up and sit down on the toilet. Like it's, it's your freedom when you get older. And the fact that people would miss out on that because they're scared of growing a bicep, it blows my mind. Uh, that was that was a, wow! That was a powerful story. I can't believe that. That is absolutely crazy. But it goes to show then the power of like building up your strength with deadlifts. Like these are fundamental movements, right? If you don't use it, you lose it. The day and age we live in, all of the outside forces really are going against us, right? We're sat down more. We've got more processed foods available to us than any other time in human history, right? And when it comes to like you say, just squatting down as you get these things, we take for granted. And you know, people listen to this. It might be a little bit older or whatever. And you might be thinking oh, you know, is it too late for me to start? It's too late for you not to start. It's too late for you not to start, right? Um, you have to focus on, because with the longevity and the quality of your life, and I could go down the list in terms of like heart health as well. Obviously, all the new studies point to the fact that resistance training is actually reduces both types of fat that can build up around the heart, whereas cardio only kind of tends to reduce one of them, for example, bone density. And as you said, the worst thing as you get older 
is, you know, being weak and frail, right? Because as you say, you just used a, a prime example there. Um, but also, like you say, if you get hit with an illness or something, you want to have as much lean muscle mass as possible on your body. You want to be strong. You want your heart to be strong so you can mitigate any issues, you know, later down the line. But um, even just the here and now, right, when it comes to um, strength training, right? So what would you say in terms of like how important it is for people, right, to have, because strength training, having that as the cornerstone of what you're doing, I think is really important, right? Having that as the, if you want to improve the way your body looks aesthetically and you also want to, you know, the stuff we just talked about then, you want to live longer, not just live longer, but add life to your years. I'm really passionate about this, right? Because I feel like it's a bit late that this is coming out, but it's good that it's coming out now, all this strength training and how important it is. Um, but how, like, you feel like it's really important then is what I'm trying to say, right? For people who want to build a good looking physique, because a lot of people listen, they're just like, yeah, that's great. I just want to look better, right? I want to, build, I want to have a head turn and physique on the beach, right? Um, so obviously lifting weights. And is there any, anything else in terms of overall health and strength training that you, you know, it depends on the client that you actually say to people, right, these are the important pillars we need to focus on in order for you to live your best life and obviously improve the way your body looks. Well, beyond, obviously, yeah, I suppose we've covered, but the, the, the training and, and knowing, you know, benefits of whole foods and things like that, the other habits that you build into your day can be so powerful. And something I work on with my clients is trying to define, like, what are your, what are your grounding habits? What are just one or two things that if you do those things, everything else kind of, it's a bit easier to eat healthier. It's a bit easier to get to the gym. It's a bit easier to drink your water. It's a bit easier to do all the other things if, if you've got these couple of habits in place. And so we trial, you know, compliance to, they pick a couple of habits and see whether it makes everything else easier or if it's just another thing on the list. Um, and so, for example, you know, it could be journaling, it could be meditating, it could be getting a certain amount of sleep, it could be getting a walk in, it could be making sure that you reach a family member or friend every day. It could be, um, I have one just called like set tomorrow up for success, which is a big grounding habit for me. If before I go to bed, I just set some things out for tomorrow. It's like a gift to myself for the next day. I've taken some stress away from the next morning and I always have a better day when I do it. And it's like, you know, I could be away on holiday. I could be where I am. I could be moving houses and I had to move a few times over the last year. Um, and that was always something that when I was a bit overwhelmed with my environment, I was dropping my good habits. If I just came back to my biggest grounding habit of set tomorrow up for success, that one really helped me. And for some of my clients, it's a different habit, but discovering that for yourself, like what is your most powerful grounding habits what builds you from the bottom up to be able to hit all the other stuff um that self-awareness and by actually practicing a habit a lot of people say oh you know i tried that journaling thing but they did it for like three days one week one day another week and and then didn't do it for two weeks and then tried it a little bit again and said journaling doesn't work for me tick it off list like for a whole month straight and see whether it actually makes a difference there's no you can't say it doesn't work for you if you haven't actually given it a go and it may not maybe it just feels like another thing to do for you or that could make everything else a whole lot easier because you're able to dump the stuff off your brain and you know sleep better or organize your day better or whatever else and works differently for different people, but we just can't assume. So I think, yeah, the other big pillar is identifying what your grounding habits are is, is huge. Mm, that was such a good point then. There's a few things. When it comes to journaling, right, I'm just going to call people out. Um, I feel like, you know, and that, as you say, not everyone, but the majority of people, if you say journaling doesn't work for you, A, you haven't done it long enough. You haven't done the reps, right? Just like when you go to the gym and you're consistent, well, that's for your body. This is for your mind, right? So if you haven't done the reps to actually get the benefits, right? Then, you know, you're not going to notice anyway. And it's one of those things like anything, like sleep, anything. It's when you stop, right? So if you journal for a long time and then you stop, that's when you go, oh, okay, actually, that was really benefiting me. I feel a bit more cluttered now. My brain, you know, might be, you know, a bit more overwhelmed or whatever it is. 
So that's a really, really good point. But the, um, I was just going to say, you know, normally people are running away from something, right? If you're saying journaling doesn't work for you, a lot of the times you're just running away from your thoughts, right? Let's be honest, because sitting there with your thoughts and your feelings and your fears, that shit is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy, is it? Sometimes you sit there and you're like, but the brain then I find is really powerful, Elena, right? So um, I always promote that to clients, especially if you've had a stressful day, right? Just dumping your thoughts down. If you can get into the habit of doing that every night for a period of time, just dumping your thoughts on the paper and people overthink it and try and overcomplicate things. I, I feel sometimes with journaling, just write down what you're thinking or just, just write and don't stop, right? We've got all these thoughts in our mind. You can definitely put pen to paper and just dump your thoughts down. And But it's funny you say that about the thing because yesterday I actually didn't write down I had to make an excuse, right? It was the first time in a while I didn't actually write down what I had to do for the next day. I do this every night, right? Quick, you know, even if it's like five minutes sometimes, right? What, what's the big priority for tomorrow? Boom, okay, great. Go to bed, relax. And I didn't do it last night. And I woke up this morning and I had like a thousand thoughts in my mind. And I was like, why do I feel more stressed? Oh shit, I didn't write. It was the first time in ages. It was a good point. But yeah, obviously I was going to ask you, that takes us transition into the next thing, uh, Helena, I wanted to ask you. And what are the fundamental habits, um, non-negotiable habits for you, right, Helena, just in life in general, in terms of keeping your mental, emotional, mental and emotional health um, as good as you can keep it, and just basically you performing and feeling your best? Non-negotiables. It's interesting. So I feel like I, to be very honest, I am the only thing that I'm really consistent at is being inconsistent, but I'm very persistent. <laughs> um, and so what, how I'm doing things maybe looks different from one day to the next, but I guess there is some underlying things, you know? Um, and so I'm always doing something for keeping myself accountable. That's really important for me. It's just something that stops me from having to discipline myself so much. I don't have to rely on like the discipline that gets fatigued if I'm making myself accountable. It's kind of how my Instagram grew to be very honest. I was posting for, um, my training for a karate competition. I was wanting to make sure that I did the training I wanted to do. Um, and I just kind of share like a journal on there, but it's, um, it's, it's really powerful for me. So like either having a coach or having someone I'm checking with a friend or, you know, saying that I'm going to do things and, and then taking that pressure off myself because I don't need to remember it so much because I've made myself accountable. So accountability is huge. Um, and then, like I said, for me, that habit of just setting my next day up and thinking of, thinking of those sorts of things as something I'm doing for myself. And this is where a lot of people get really stuck when it comes to trying to change habits. They're adding it as another thing to the list to get stressed about. If they don't do, they've stuffed up and the mental battle that they have with themselves is, is just, it just drains them. Whereas if you're thinking about these things that you do and the disciplines that you have as your self-care, it feels very different. And the mindsets that you approach these things with is huge. And so I'm always learning more about psychology and mindset as well. Obviously it works well for what I do for work, but I've always been very interested in that. And because it affects me, it makes a big difference, um, really impacts how I feel and how I'm, how well I'm able to perform and how well I'm able to show up for myself and for others. And so, yeah, learning about my own brain always, always being curious and having the mindset of the habits that I've set for myself whatever they are at the time, whatever inconsistent phase I'm in, I've set them up as, an, as a part of my self-care and not as a, I have to do this to be worthy sort of mindset. And I think uh, a lot of people miss that mark. Mm, definitely. That was solid. Yeah. And also just, just to say how it is, right. And I've said this on a few podcasts, but basically we've both been for our own mental health struggles as well. Right. Let's be honest. We've both put it on, splashed it all over social media as well. Right. I think bottom line is, you know, we're not doing that for attention. Trust me. It's not easy putting that out there. Right. It takes a lot of courage to do that. 
but the impact you have from from sharing not just oh you know i struggle with this struggle with that but how you overcame it your transformation you know it, it actually makes people connect to you so much more and actually understand that they're not alone and i feel like do you feel like through going through your own struggles with mental health right do you feel like that actually highlights it how important it is for you to do those things even if it's not non-negotiables the fundamental habits that you need to stick to do you feel like it makes it even more important and it also helps you relate better to your clients when they're going through stuff? Absolutely. And something that I recognized in myself um, once I learned about it, and I think that everybody has an element of it, is that we put other people up on pedestals. People who have achieved the things that we would like to achieve, automatically we kind of make excuses for their, their success. They've had something that was easier or they're not suffering with the same things that I am. And if you have a mindset that the person who's got the body that you want, has got the job that you want, has got the relationship that you want, you assume that they've gotten there without the same battles as you, you've already given yourself an excuse to not, to not even try or to be able to, to self-sabotage yourself along the way. If you know that that person got there with a very similar struggle to you, it's empowering. And I think there's a lot of people who have reached out to me along the years um, and sort of said, you know, I... I've always had, you know, X goal, whether it was my karate years or whether it's with, with what I'm doing now and said, you know, I, I, I had that goal, but I thought because of my ADHD, because I have ADHD and I talk about that a lot, or because I had scoliosis, I have scoliosis, a spinal fusion. I thought because I had that, I wasn't going to be able to do that. But seeing that you had that and that you did it anyway, that gave me confidence that I can. And, and then they go and try. And so I think a really bad habit that we sort of, primed with is to make excuses for other people's success and assume that they're not battling with the same things as we are but the more people who are achieving some big things talk about it the easier it is to let the other people know like you can have a shot at this you you can you just you need to find your own way and it may be more difficult or these challenges are there for you but that's not an excuse to not try and it's not not a reason for you to not be worthy of that 100 percent, yeah and I think what you were saying there, a good analogy for people is like, do you find people are always trying to build a wall, right? They're always looking at like this big wall they need to build instead of just going brick by brick and taking one step at a time and focusing on consistency over trying to be perfect, right? If you look at it that way and you take things one day at a time, right? Just like you said then, just writing down what I've got to do the next day, right? Because we're really, we're always just bargaining with our future self, right? There's, the, there's Helena of today, yeah? Who is gonna, like any other person and like me, we still get that kind of devil on our shoulder, right? Who wants instant gratification. Go on, go and buy that shit you don't need. You know what I mean? Eat this, eat that. Maybe now with, with food, it's different for us because we programmed that brain. Um, but we're just the same as everyone else, right? Whether that be, oh, go on social media, get carried away on there, searching for that dopamine hit, right? It's that instant gratification, like that child inside of you or that, that monkey brain even, right? It's like, go on, just do it. And then you, you've got your future self, right? You've got the angel on the shoulder, right? Saying, no, oh, come on, we need to, we need to, tomorrow we want to be feeling good. We want to be doing this. We want to be pushing forward and obviously just making progress. So you're always kind of bargaining with your future self. But I do feel like it's important to just, for people to focus on building that wall brick by brick, right? Rather than every, most people just look at that. Well, we've done that, right? Mm -hmm. How, and you probably still do it, right? In certain areas, you look at the wall and you're like overwhelmed, you're anxious, no shit, because you're putting yourself in that state. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and this, I remember when, you know, when I started my business, that was huge. And I sort of look at the people who've had a business for five years and they've got all these things and I'm like, what can, what can, how can I get to there? And I just really did need to just like knuckle down on what is my first step? What is my minimum viable product? What is like, and just like really going, okay, well, how do I start with one before I try and deal with, you know, growing, growing up to level 10. So, um, yeah, it's, it's funny because it pops up in every part of life. And I, uh, even last week I had a week where I, I, I was not on, I was not on. I just made so many excuses for myself to not do the things that serve me. And it was just a huge element of self-sabotage and, and having to speak, having to let my coach, know, I pay a lot of money for my coach and, uh, and to not do the things like I was really quite disappointed in myself and, and it just didn't make sense. Um, and it is something that for me at the moment, I'm actually working on, on this with my psychologist because I, I have a few areas where where that pops up and sometimes it does and then sometimes I'm, I'm cruising and I can identify these things really easily but there's always that second voice there's one voice that's telling you you know you don't you don't need to go to the gym you've had a hard day you're tired you can go tomorrow it's okay and it sounds almost like self-care but that is just self-sabotage sally creeping on in pretending to be self-compassion and it's actually just taking away from the goals that you're going to get to um and so you know, it's really just reminding yourself that, yeah, self-discipline is most often your best form of self-care and just showing up and just doing the things and, and the little by little by little is what gets you from not being able to barbell deadlift with a 20 kilo bar to be able to do it with a 75 kilo. It's what gets you from not having a business yet to, to growing into a, a brand. It's what gets you from first time in the gym to on the bodybuilding stage. It doesn't happen by looking from step one to step 100, it happens by showing up each day, little by little. And when I say each day, there are days that it doesn't. There's days that we all mess up along the way. There's days that we all don't be perfect. And I think that actually is a big element that I see. I, I think you've got a quite a similar sort of audience to what I have is that sort of type A, mm -hmm. high functioning, high anxious, high achiever. Ambitious. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that, those sorts of people I think that's that's usually and I attract that type because I am that type and like attracts like especially because we market ourselves on social media it's that sort of all or nothing mindset a lot of the time or you know wanting to do things perfectly and if you don't do it perfectly one day rather than accepting that 98% is okay or 80% is okay it's going well I didn't win today throwing it all in the bucket bucket and and leaving it rather than just going okay well 85% is the best I had today. And so like, where, like I'm saying that I use for my clients all the time is like, give today the best you've got. Knowing that every day, what your best looks like might be different. And don't, like, you, can't, you can't compare, but as long as today truly was your best and you can put your hand up and say, today was my best. And when I say each day, once again, sometimes it's not, but just step the heck back on the next day. Um, and it's, it's just something I needed to learn to be really kind with myself about because some days I don't have as much power to show up in the same way. And to go, okay, yesterday wasn't that great. How can I set up today to be better? Or today I was off track. How can I set up tomorrow to be better? Or being accountable with my coach and going, I did not prioritize the things that were really important to me this week. Here's my plan for next week. Here's how I'm going to hold myself accountable to you. Um, because I know that it's important for me. It's not a fact of reporting to him because he's going to be mad. He's, he's being paid to, you know, send me the stuff. I, it's my job to do it. And it's my responsibility. And so, yeah, it's like having that accountability, knowing what those habits are, 
doing it all little by little by little and not bashing yourself when you have a day off or a week off or you know a period of time where you your best isn't what your best normally is mm. yeah i love that and look goes to show right so we've both got i've got a business mentor and shout out phil graham right because he's literally changed his life changed my life so obviously long story short a couple of years ago when the pandemic hit i had like a handful of online clients and i really wanted to build uh powerful online transformation program and impact more people right so i actually hired a business mentor he's the best in the world literally right so his mentorship program it's not cheap right <laughs> just gonna say that right but it was worth any pay and you've got to look at it in a different way though right because i was looking at that when i was investing in myself i was looking at it as an expense right i was i had I had a scarcity mindset because of the circumstances gyms closing i was pting at the time and i won't tell you how much it was like i said it was expensive but it wasn't expensive. It was the best investment I've ever made. It was, actually, I'm not going to say it was expensive. It was just a lot of money to pay up front, right, at that time. But because I shifted, well, my, my mentor just told me straight up, he's down the line, right? He was like, you know, you're just being a pussy, basically. He said to me, he said, right, he said, you just need to, you need to commit and you need to look at it as an investment. You're looking at it the wrong way. You've got the wrong way of looking at it and you're never going to get anywhere with that mindset. Basically, he just told me straight, needed to hear it. Um, uh, but basically it was the best investment I ever made. And I just wanted to say to the audience, you know, I, 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 that's why I stopped the podcast. Actually, I had the podcast going and building a business. I was just going to say, I was saying to someone else, actually, that is way harder than building the body. I don't know if you can relate to this. Building a business <laughs> is another animal altogether. Like that you have to, like you have to change obviously on your journey with health and fitness, but the, the amount of changes you have to make in terms of the way you, your level of thinking and actually to build a business, there's a reason why, you know, over 20% of businesses uh, fail, right? It's not easy, you know? Um, and that for me has been a massive challenge. It's been the biggest over the last few years. It's been the biggest experience of growth I've ever had. And I just wanted to say to the audience, right? Yeah, investing in crypto, buying a house, setting yourself up financially, great, important. The best thing you can do, right, is invest in yourself, right? I know Helena's spent tens of thousands of dollars investing in herself which has enabled her to become the best version of herself and help and impact people all over the world and live her best life. And the same as myself, right? But we're always on that journey of continuing to level up. And, and if you're listening to this now, the likelihood is you've got a growth mindset, you want to improve yourself. So honestly, whether you're hiring a coach, a business mentor or whatever, um, investing in yourself is hands down one of the best things you can do. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's a never ending thing, I think, is the other thing too. People sort of want to be able to tick something off the box by each thing that they might invest in or thing that they might want to set out and learn. And they think it's going to help them achieve something that's going to fit like in an Excel sheet. And it's not, it's like everything you learn compounds. It's, um, it's incredible. And you know, the same lessons come up years later but you learn that same lesson differently or a lesson that you learned previously about yourself now means something different and it's just something that's it's just a forever journey like i think i'll be 75 and still going just like you know what's the self-improvement project i can work on right now I think <laughs> likewise just um i think it's sad when people don't i think it's sad when people don't 100 mm, or make excuses like you know it's too much of an investment i get it we're all in different positions but ultimately when you strip it all down and you look at the amount of money that people spend. I don't care who you are. A lot of us spunk money away for lack of a better word. I don't know where that word came from on, on, on garbage, right? If you think about, you think about like online shopping, you think about tattoos, you think about like stuff that you don't need materialistic things or going out on nights out, right? The thousands of dollars people justify and you've got to enjoy yourself. But when you actually look at what you spend over like a few months or a year, if you invested that money in yourself, right? 
the value that would add to your life is second to none. You, it, it's character building. It's like whether you're building a body or building a business or building a relationship, right? It's basically character building, right? It's, it's, it's falling in love with the, the struggles, right? I know it's a hard thing to do, but it's the character building that actually gives you all the benefits and actually you end up, everything else kind of starts falling into place when you build more of a resilient mindset. I guess that's what it comes down to. I've got one more question for you, my friend, right? And I'm going to put you on the spot with this one. What advice would you give 18-year-old Helena, right? Just what advice would you give her? Okay. 18-year-old Helena, wow. She, she would have no idea what was ahead of her. She was so shy and so quiet and so reserved and so self-judgmental. My biggest lesson to her would be to be kind to herself. And I think that's the main thing. It's like I held myself back from trying things or from you know, being able to enjoy certain things because I was not very kind to myself. I was very judgmental of myself. Oh, sorry, I think I've lost you. Oh, sorry, I was going to say I lost the sound then. It's back now. Go on. Um, And sort of, you know, became to appreciate the things about myself that I used to judge. Um, You know, to be very honest, a lot of the things that I used to not like about myself because I didn't understand them are things that really helped me grow my brand and a big quirky parts of my personality now. Um, And so, yeah, just being really... Be really kind to yourself and, and it's okay when you fuck up. Like that, that, that are some of the most powerful words you can give to the, the anxious overachiever. It's okay. What's the next step? So yeah, that, that would be the, the two things. Be kind to yourself. It's okay. What's next? I love that. I love that. Yeah. Self-compassion is key, right? Awesome. Uh, I appreciate your time today. There was so many knowledge bombs there and just golden nuggets for the audience to take away. But always remember, as I always say, if you can take one thing away from one of these podcasts, yeah, and implement it, or if you get a light bulb moment, that's a win, right? You know, we're living in the information era. We've got all the information, but it's about dissecting what's going to help you, you know, siphoning that out and, and then just like running with it basically, right? So remember that. Don't get overwhelmed. Just think about, right, what was my biggest takeaway? What did I learn from that? Because there was so much value in that. So thanks for jumping on. And where can they find you, the audience, Elena? Yeah, so the best place to find me is on my Instagram and all the links to anywhere else are on that. So just once again, at my name, Helena, double underscore Sly, and you'll be able to find me everywhere else. But um, thanks so much for today, Martin. I really enjoyed the chat. I really enjoyed it too. And I'll add your, uh, your Instagram to the uh, show notes anyway. Thanks again for your time, my friend. All right. Thank you.